On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Sabrina Spellman makes it out of her own show, if pop filter Hall of Famer Alan Tudyk can carry a sci-fi show, and if the second season of Snowpiercer is still off the rails or if it's back on track. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or comic book property. My name is Cassie and I will be the host of this episode. And you know what? If you don't think this needs a host, you are wrong. Because my job here as host is to keep this train rolling, keep us going to our stops, and you know what? And blow the train horn. So that's like three whole things. That's three responsibilities falling on me. And uh, if I'm being honest, that's entirely too many responsibilities. So... I brought some friends to help me out. Friend number one, I'll introduce first. Mike, how's it going? And also, what what responsibility are you bringing to this show? Damn it! I thought you were saying Mike and also Ryan, and they just have a scream at each other. But instead, I talked only. <laughs> I'm you friend almost... number one, despite that Ryan started talking first, which is why he will always be friend number two. And I'm shoveling coal. Okay, all right, I like it. And then uh, that other friend you did here who did come in to make sure we were screaming at the same time is Ryan. Ryan, how's it going? Hey, Cassie. Hey, are you bringing any responsibility to this or are you just screaming? Uh, Based on what you guys bring, I will have to bring the insight, the criticism, the uh, Mm. podcast talent. Do you know what I realized? I got some criticism for you, Ryan. (laughs) Uh, Neither the time nor the place. Do you know what I realized today? Uh, The quarantine is over for, well... (laughs) Well, A for Orange County, right. California. Gavin Newsom. Because yeah. those are they're they're a bunch of hillbillies, but for this show, because there was a time do you guys remember a time where we were just reviewing four episodes of nineteen seventies Incredible Hulk because we had yeah. nothing to do? Yeah. That time for us is fucking over. There's now so much we're back to just normal amount of shit. Yeah, it's been, I don't know how it's treating you guys, but I saw, like, more than two shows on this, and, like, I almost, I felt the need to, like, be an ostrich and bury my hand, head in the sand. I was like, it's too many shows. It's entirely too many shows. No human can do this. I'm supposed to sit and watch more TV? I can't do it. <laughs> this is, no. this is the most extreme version of introversion I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I can't, it's too many shows, you guys. This This is insane. I don't know how you do this. Does extroversion stand for extreme version? Yeah, they're mm-hmm. the most extreme version of humanity. <laughs> the most extreme, indeed. Um, but yeah, we got a big show coming up, so I'm. we might as well jump to it, because we got a lot to talk about. For the main event, we'll be talking about Sabrina, so let's go to that right now. On the final episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Miss Wardwell narrates the final the finale, which is also a chapter of the Eldritch Gospels. Sab's Morningstar ruins Nick and Spellman going to town by bursting through the mirror, warning the void is coming and dying, even though nothing hurt her at the end of the last episode. Sabrina gets Pandora's box from the Tinkerman and goes into the void and opens it for a while before the witches fuck up and pull her back, leaving the job unfinished and the void trapped within Sabrina. 
Also, it's Sabrina's 17th birthday, meaning all of the all of the show happened in a horrifying year. Taste buds, I ask you this. Did the dark end of the show give a sense of closure or was an interesting mess of an end to an interesting mess of a show? Uh, I kept thinking the whole time and I, I couldn't remember and I did no research. Um, <laughs> Putting all was, the cards out there. You are bringing the criticism <laughs> and insight. <laughs> Uh, what was this show affected by COVID? Because I know Netflix had a reputation of being like when quarantine started. Uh, Glee, no, Glow, um, a big hit show for us. We just we don't want to pay for the sets and contracts anymore. We're just going to cancel it. Right. Mm-hmm. And was this rushed? Because it sure fucking felt like it. It re- this season didn't feel that rushed, but this specific episode did. Yeah, because she came to. It, like she came to a big leap where all of a sudden like she was willing to sacrifice herself to this she was like it was my fault i'll just go right into the void and sacrifice myself like right off the bat and i was like oh wow we're really picking up the pace here it's it's crazy to me and she throughout the episode she kept just trying to sacrifice herself to save the world mm-hmm. while all of her friends and family went no <laughs> and, and what that screams of what it's so hard to ignore because it's clearly so it's supposed to be that uh, a character who spent their life, their entire run of the series, as incredibly selfless, like sh- or selfish, shockingly, mm-hmm. right? Like we commented right. on it constantly. Oh, yeah. I can't believe how selfish this main character is, um, in a very human way, just not in a TV character way. All of a sudden, becomes selfless. That's that's a typical arc of a it's, of it's a fictional Iron character. Man and the Avengers, exactly. Mm-hmm. But what we did was the right. What it felt like was the writers were like. It wasn't Sabrina saying, I have to be selfless. The writer's like, oh, fuck. We forgot. Yeah. Let's make her selfless really quick. Let's do it. <laughs> Just have her do it. Yeah, throughout the season, it should have been growing. Uh, another way you know this feels rushed is an entire B-plot uh, Nick just came in and went, I had a crazy adventure in space using the weird's body as a space breather. And he was like covered <laughs> in ice. And you're like, you didn't show any of that? Like, that's insane. See, if this was a comic book, in the corner, there'd be a little yellow box that says, see Nick number 24 for more <laughs> right. details. It was wild. Even the way they proposed that, they were like, oh, we do have this Eldritch Tower. I'll use that as a mask and send you off. And it was just like, hell yeah, there it is. And nobody stopped and went, what? Yeah. <laughs> I have a corpse of a thing. I bet you could breathe through it. <laughs> no. My body was forged by Satan in hell, so it's impenetrable. I'm like, okay, dude. And part uh, 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 Talking about all the ways it felt rushed. Is that, so half of the episode, and it's not like the first half or second half, but half the episode time was let's wrap up the Eldritch Terrors, and the other half was like let's wrap up the show. And when it went a clip show of Sabrina's like not just life, not just the four years of this, but like her birthdays, and we just saw different people interacting from the show. It like that felt like a finale in a bad mm-hmm. way. We're like, yep, see how they've all grown. And it really highlighted how Ambrose has changed from like that Lothario, I'm in a robe and like lounging to hit on everybody to like, now I'm the smartest person on the show. Yeah. I mean, it, he is- it showed that he was smart because he was reading a book, but the book was called mm-hmm. Now I'm the Smartest Person on the Show. So <laughs> give and take there. Um, what I did like, though, at the beginning, we mentioned there was the Trinket Man. I still love this dude. I love any excuse yeah. they could throw this guy in there. I would watch The Adventures of the Trinket Man. 100%. I always forget this comedian's name, Mike. What is it again? James Urbaniak. James Urbaniak, star of The Thrilling Adventure Hour, yes? Yeah, he's uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour. Uh, He's Dr. Venture on the Venture Brothers. Uh, He's uh, Dwight Schrute's best friend. Dwight Schrute's best friend, (laughs) Kurt, I think, uh, who's like laughing about how strong he's made his bug repellent. Uh, Jules's husband on difficult people i think i'm a really big urbaniac yeah Yeah. we just got this whole page you're you're an urbaniac maniac um i've i was so bummed listening to you guys talk about 
the rest of the episodes from this season because he's on. And yeah, just this little glimpse that I got in this last episode of him walking in and saying, hey, I'm the trinket man. That was That's my moment of the week. It's just <laughs> seeing him for 10 seconds. Because I, I do think what why he's great in like weirder stuff is he, he like scans the tone and goes, I get it, and then does it better than the regulars. Mm-hmm. That's his move. Him on Difficult People knowing that he's below Billy and Julie's two dogs in the Julie like love <laughs> hierarchy was just amazing. I feel like they're lucky they have him too because this trinket man is just like a plot to like fix their issues. Like he just literally comes yeah. up and is like, "Here's what you need," which is very cheap. It feels, but it's just a delight to see him. So I, I'm not even right. mad about this. So I feel like they're lucky that it's him. I would I, I would give one note, and I know it's not our job to talk about how what the show should have been, but it's only to talk about what it was. But if he walked in and there was a beat that started, and then he rapped the trinket man theme song. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. just like telling all about his past, his present, and his future. That would have been hey, a better I'm show. The trinket man, I bring you the trinkets that can. See, it's not me. I can't do it, but I bet he would be able to. They could have. They they could have sat down and written it instead of freestyling <laughs> and falling apart uh, immediately. Are you yes. sure we don't want to write it? Nope, 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 nope. The trinket man freestyles. Uh, what What's weird and made it seem like uh, another afterthought is so Wardwell is reading from the Eldritch Gospel, which is like the Lovecraftian Bible. That she even says Father Lovecraft. And I can't remember now if they've called Father Blackwood Father Lovecraft whenever. But it's trying to be like, this whole show was them reading from the Bible, but it proves that Father Lovecraft cannot fucking write. Well, that's some of the most childish paragraph I've ever heard. Let's keep in mind that 2020... Uh, and this is still 2020, let's say, uh, being a year of a lot of things, was also, for some reason, the year of Lovecraft, and Sabrina mm-hmm. is just clearly jumping on that ship. Well, all all the Eldritch Terrors were, in this episode, they go to the Mountains of Madness, which is just a straight Lovecraftian, like, real Lovecraft uh, location. Nice. I did not know that. I forgot the word location. <laughs> it's a hard word. Uh, we do have, I do want to talk about the void and the aesthetic they chose for the void, which is just like a museum. I did like that vibe. That felt like kind of it's Riverdale roots. I was, I did enjoy that. It, it felt doom patrolian. Yeah. It just said the good call. void and like <laughs> yeah. Florida ceiling letters. And then when she's in the hereafter, it just says the sweet hereafter in those same mm-hmm. letters. So is she in heaven or did she just fall into the void and it's a boring museum? What about, and I don't know if this was established before this episode but it shows uh the rest of the supporting characters and they're like all staring towards the camera and they're like this is it i think this is the void and then it cuts to the wall and it's just a big sign that says the void yeah (laughs) yeah guys i think that's it i want so so many like i do in general i I think this episode wasn't great but i've enjoyed this season and it's because of stuff like that Mm -hmm. like before throughout the the other seasons it was like see how we're weird but never like that or that's just fucking funny like every girl might date it in high school I'm so weird and quirky. <laughs> um, I did enjoy having Blackwood back as kind of the main bad because they, you know, he sewed his body back up or had Wardwell sewed yeah. his body back up. And then he became like a little mentor out in the desert, Yoda style to Sabrina. That I also did enjoy. I like enjoy having Blackwood as a dude who's our obvious foe. Yeah, there's a part where, oh, forget what he says. Oh, when when he takes her to the mountains, because he's like, this is the only way to save everybody. I thought he was going to try to fuck, because he's like, <laughs> we stand outside the boundaries of morality, sanity, and reality. And then, like, waggles his eyebrows <laughs> at her. He's like, ew, dude. Ew. 
no, that would have been terrible. But instead, he just becomes a mad, like, little mentor uh, out there talking about how she needs to, like, not eat and then just uh, keeps her in a cave, which has to be sacrificed. And when she kept saying, like, the void must be fed, I thought it was going to be a sacrifice. And then it was just, like, bread. It was just, like, a normal meal. But uh, I can't remember on that one. A normal meal of Jesus' flesh. Yeah. Yeah. You know the normal. Um, Did you guys, like, once we... um, so they had Pandora's box, which was given very easily. And then I feel like Blackwood was also taken down easily with the fake Pandora's box. Was that, did that feel cheap to you guys? <laughs> no, that was awesome. You dumb fuck. Obviously. It's a rigged box, of course. Like, like, even Zelda was surprised how easy it was as she was rubbing in his now eyeless face that they pulled it off. <laughs> I also thought it was adorable how she opened up the box and then the other guy reached into it. To grab something, and she slammed it right on their hand, and they they all laughed so hard. Is funny bit every time. Um, yeah, so we do get uh, Blackwood taken down, then. <laughs> and uh, but then once, so you know, like this should be over, but then Sabrina again is still like, we're gonna, I need to be sacrificed, and uh, it was weird to have her still bring it home of like, I need to be sacrificed for this to work. How many ways do I have to tell you fucks I want to die? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess we could sort of read if we wanted to that this was like a treatise on uh, teen suicide, you know, and Mm -hmm. how important they feel, how important teenagers feel and how important their death feels when they think about something like that. Um, But if that's the case, then this show handled it poorly because then they just had her kill herself. That's yeah. uh, I've heard criticisms of this and 13 Reasons Why. So Netflix is now doing a thing where they're like, isn't teens killing themselves dope as shit? (laughs) Um, which there was a weird thing with Nick at the end too, because he, you know, like also killed himself, also killed himself to be in this like weird heaven thing, and to, I to wear the worst clothes he's ever worn in this whole show. Yeah, just beige polo shirt. Ew, Nick. Ew. <laughs> and did you guys think it was weird that every time one of these teens killed themselves, uh, we saw out of the back of the room Christian Slater and Winona Ryder running out? Mm-hmm. That was crazy. Pretty suspect. Pretty sus. Pretty weird. Do you guys think she is... So I'm confused because, you know, so during the sacrifice, she bleeds out completely um, in order to get the people back from the void, all of her friends that she was sucking in because she became the void, of course. And um, during this process, she dies. But then they bury her in that uh, the graveyard. And does that graveyard not bring people back anymore? It does. I, I, that, this is why I had my COVID questions is because... Um, one, maybe they this is so rushed because they felt like they had an ending, or maybe it's rushed because they don't give a shit because it's definitely coming back. Mm. Do you guys uh, do you guys feel like if the if the ratings for Sabrina were good, can't you guys see them just saying, "Ah, let's see if we could do another season." Netflix doesn't care about ratings though. They have four seasons, which is enough for people to keep rewatching, and it like. It costs less for them to make one or two seasons of a show than to keep a show going. It seems to be. Like, their model is make a few seasons and out no matter what. Which, I mean, do you know why that is? And this would definitely be the case for this show. No. Is because of uh, actors' contracts keep going up and up right. and up. And so, mm-hmm. when you, you can, in, on a season one of a show, every actor is so stoked to be on it that you can pay them almost nothing. And then when it gets popular, they're like, well, give me all of the money then. And, right. and rightfully so. You know, like, I don't want Netflix to keep the money. But yeah, if. In order to meet the contract's demands now, it would be roughly five times as what it was the first season. And Netflix has a harder time because they don't have commercial. Like, everybody bitches about commercials, but one, that's a great time to go pee. And two, 
uh, that helps your show keep going because everything can get money better. Okay, well, first of all, hey, Mike, uh, put the porta potty in your living room like I told you to, and that's going to solve that problem. And B, <laughs> uh, we all, every single person on the planet gives Netflix $15 a month. I don't think they need commercials. <laughs> also, right, Mike- I'm not saying I want commercials from Netflix, but I'm saying like $15 a month is only. They have a lot of shows. They have a lot of content. They have to churn out that garbage Christmas movie set every every oh. year. They can't just save the. They can't just use the same Christmas set. <laughs> no, fresh fresh Christmas sets, fresh trees. Mike, I, it is important to me to know you do have a pause button on your remote. You do know this, right? So you can go pee in the middle of these shows. I don't like that, man. It ruins the flow. Okay, all right. I'm into that commitment. Which oh, flow yeah. are you speaking of? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Hmm. All right, we are almost out of time, though. So overall, how do we feel how enjoyable this ep was? And also, if there is a next season, are you guys in? I believe I know Ryan's opinion. Yeah, I would say this is a pretty shit episode. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't love this show overall. And I would say that this episode was still not what the series deserved. Like, it was still under that. Uh, It was just kind of a train wreck where you had to search for cool moments in the episode. I don't. I think that this show started out before it came on. I think we were stoked, and throughout the first season, we sort of said, "Ah, yeah, this is yay." But <laughs> now that it's all done, this is not going into the uh, pop filter comic book based show Hall of Fame. No, uh, I really enjoyed this season versus everything else I've seen, and this show or this episode let it down. Yeah, uh, in every way they could. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. So. Uh, this episode, this season is done. It's on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, you can. Uh, coming up next, we're gonna go to our poll list. It is time for the poll list, where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is Resident Alien. This week saw the premiere of Resident Alien on the Sci-Fi Network. Based on the Dark Horse comic of the same name, the TV show follows a crash-landed alien who needs to learn how to hide as a human until he completes his mission of destroying all humans. If that doesn't sound amazing, check it. The show stars Pop Filter Hall of Famer Alan Tudyk as the titular character. Taste Buds, I ask you this. How fucking great is Alan Tudyk? He is so great. Normally, I would be like, a new show? Ew. On sci-fi? Double ew. No, sci-fi, I don't know. Sci-fi gave us Winona Earp and Mike, our, can you uh, name Stockholm another Syndrome, Dark Matter. Yeah, I was going to say, can you name another Dark Horse comic sci-fi show? It's Dark Matter. The crew led by Captain Mark Datter. Uh, I love Tudyk. I love watching him, his physicality in the show. I like hearing his narration and learning so many things other shows and other actors would do, and I would roll my eyes, but him learning to flip off. Made me mm. chortle so hard. That motherfucking middle finger has, I, I think, is the odds-on favorite to get best actor shishy in the shishies during the summer. And even even the, the fucking intro of like the yeah. pamphlet of the alien learning how to do things. Chekhov's middle finger right there. Um, I like he's a pop filter hall of famer, which means that me, Mike, and Greg like him. Uh, but I think that this is such an opportunity for an actor to. This seems like the type of thing where an actor will be like, yeah, I'll do it. And then bring out their inner Jim Carrey, you know? Uh Like, this is a time for me to just fucking wrecking ball through the scenery and do whatever I want. Just be big. And I cannot believe how small he is, how, like, how closed in he is and is hilarious the entire time. Yeah, going small instead of big is smart. And it also is, 
like the the commercials for this are like your favorite new small town murder mystery doctor dramedy like like it was a thing I didn't expect the show to also be making fun of all those shows. I thought that was just the marketing campaign. But this is very much making fun of, like, Monk or the good doctor. Like, look, they're a little different, but they're a hero. You and think- he's doing it well. I mean, do you think that this is, like, meta? Do you think this is knowing? What do you mean? Yes. I think very much. They're, like, so many shows, house, or, like, whatever. Like, all these, like, people who aren't good with people, but they'll learn a little and teach the town a lot. I think it's very purposely making fun of that because his weird thing is he literally wants to kill all the people he's helping right which is something that isn't totally revealed until the end when something else is revealed which we'll get to a minute in a minute but we know we're going to talk week in week out about the amazingness of alan tudyk i'm so happy that resident alien offers this show the superhero show show an opportunity to do that for the next 10 weeks or whatever mm-hmm. but let's get to the rest to the to the rest of the cast and to the sort of like the plotting and the style of the show does that uh, hold a candle to the greatness that is Alan Tudyk. No. <laughs> but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. The cops who just sit there on their stakeout beatboxing, uh-huh. like just adding levels of quirk, dusting it there made me laugh so hard. Uh Well, let, love- hold, let's stop there. Uh the two okay. cops are a um like a timid, stuttering, not cool enough white woman. Deputy. And then a sheriff who uh, whose nickname is, is Big Black. But it's a nickname he wants people to call him. And prefers it. He's and like the mayor the mayor who's like a Justin Long type is like, Nope, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I do love Alan Tudyk when he first learns it, he's like, Oh, I get it. And the, the sheriff looks like he's about to be angry. He's like, Cause you're big black truck. And then that makes the sheriff even angrier. I I get that, but it's also a little bit of uh madman pilot theory uh-huh. where it shows Don Draper like he's a terrible person, but he's not racist. That's sort of what it feels like it's doing with Alan Tudyk's character. <laughs> I thought it was, he's an alien. He obviously doesn't know, unless it was in Law and Order, he does not know human connection. And it's it's a little bit like Master Mold, right? In that, oh, you're all just flesh bags of shit. So yeah. why would why would there be a difference between mutant yeah. and non or white or black? Yeah, that sheriff is not different to him than the little kid that he hates. Like, it's all just like, whatever. Well, what do we, uh, th- what do we think about the style of the... And this is a pilot, so it's a little hard to tell, but... Right. What what did we get and what did we want? Is this uh, Freak of the Week, Mystery of the Hour, or is this an ensemble piece? What do you think? I think they're going to take it into ensemble. I don't think it's Freak of the Week. I think the the, the big mystery for the town is going to be the, the first town doctor is dead. How did it happen? Um, right. And because you have all these cast of characters, and I mean, probably somebody we met is the one who poisoned him. But maybe it's somebody new, and it'll just keep growing the town. Like very, I could see it being very uh, Gilmore Girls esque in the fact that it's like a tiny town that has its own quirks, and eventually, it's not just about the main character; it's about how weird this whole town is. Northern exposure. You can't have somebody that we haven't already met be the murderer. That would be a real would slap be in so the face lame. of the audience. But we basically have who killed the doctor, and this other wrinkle: uh, one in a million humans can see through alien uh, shape shifting. And yeah. just see the alien, and in this town, there's like a 10-year-old kid. The mayor's son. The mayor's son. <laughs> but they, they gave a very uh, Monster Squad moment of the kid freaking out on his bed, saying there's an alien under my bed. <laughs> and the parents are like, you piece of shit, come sleep with us, I guess. <laughs> and they refused to check. Uh, real quick, before we got to go, um, do we think that uh, there's a deputy something, doctor? Uh, the nurse. The nurse? Right? Yeah. Uh, but doctor, I'm 
the nurse. <laughs> mm-hmm. You nailed it. Her name's Pagliacci. Um, and there's a connection between Alan Tudyk and her that's hard, and it turns out that he is the one who, like, goes and saves her from her abusive ex-husband. Yeah, she pulls her husband through a wall. <laughs> are we thinking, best friends? Is this a romance budding? What are we doing here? I think there right now, just in the pilot, there's two possible romances, and it's Nurse Pagliacci and Alice Wetterland, who is the bartender, who I think is amazing in everything she's in, and she's never been given enough to do. Um, including this like include yeah she does not have enough to do yet except show us how small town bartenders truly work which is drink more than all their patrons my one of my favorite parts of the show is uh the the bar has a motto where you scream something out and then everybody in the bar has to scream and so she does it to prove the point to alan tudyk and like three people in this jam-packed bar scream out like it it was barely made a ripple in the bar which is very funny (laughs) But it is funny. This show about like all this crazy stuff in aliens, uh, her do- doing a bunch of shots is what my wife was like. That's not realistic. And then I had to tell her some stories about some sad bartenders I've known in my past. <laughs> and your um, wife. The reason your wife thinks that's unrealistic is because she forgets every time that she does that. Oh. <laughs> um, we are about out of time, though. So it's time for moments of the week. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go back to the Monster Squad moment where uh, in full alien gear... Uh, Alan Tudyk is under the bed and the parents are dragging the kid away to their room and the kid looks back at the alien and he fucking double guns the most hardcore middle fingers you have ever seen. Middle fingers really are the star of this episode. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Mike. If it's not that, it is that, that's definitely the moment of the week, but I want to give another shout out and like it feels designed for a moment of the week uh, is so he gets drunk and he doesn't know what it does. And then it's his deciding to go kill the kid. And he says, I'll say one thing about whiskey. It's allowing me to make smart, rational decisions. And that his like very flat delivery of that thing we've all thought was perfect. Oh, man. The show sounds delightful. I got to watch it. And if you guys want to, it's Wednesdays on Sci-Fi. Our next show of the week is Snowpiercer. This season on Snowpiercer, Mr. Wilford has arrived. And as his new threat rattles Snowpiercer to its core, Melanie makes a move that can't be undone. Taste buds, I ask you this. What would you do if your old boss you thought you killed came back into your life? Kill him? (laughs) Or her? Girls can be bosses, too. Ladies, that's to show her off. Uh, Yeah, the only option is to actually kill them. And you got to kill them, like, before they step up to the building. Like, as they're walking up, you see them, that's your chance to murder. Yes. That's that's your chance to murder. Let's, (laughs) Let's stop being villains that, like toy with their meat before they eat it just fucking kill him kill him as just soon as fucking it. possible i do love the, th- the 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 this show is like we're the only train and now it's like well there's another train i'm assuming <laughs> in season three they're like oh shit there's five more trains <laughs> maybe at a plane who knows where this can go <laughs> um if you want to watch it it is on mondays on tnt our next show of the week is batwoman on the second episode of season two of batwoman Ryan must once again put the suit on when a group of pro-Batman, Batwoman protesters are set to be the victim of Alice's next next attack, which of course has to be a bat attack. After a horde of bats poison a portion of Gotham, Alice gives the antidote to Mary, which seems out of character until the very last moment when we learn that Alice pulled the stunt to get Sophia mad at her. So, Taste Buds, I ask you, how would you both fight a horde of bats? I Like I would fight a horde of bees or humans... Eyes closed, swinging wildly. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you get like two, not baseball bats, but two backpacks. Oh, two you're going to go bat versus bat? Ooh, okay. No, I'd say not that because then you can only hit one, but I'd grab two Jansports by the loop because then you can hit more. 
I like that. At first, I thought you were gonna say you're gonna scoop them into it, but then you then it's a one time no. use. Like you can only, but yeah, yeah if you really put a blindfold on and then go nuts. <laughs> See, I would have two jansports, one to hit bats with, and the other one to try and throw onto a bat. All of a sudden, it's wearing a backpack full of books. Go get an education, bat. Just learn how. Oh, you uh, change that bat's life. Go to oh, business man. school. This is the goofiest thing I think this show has done, and I. At first, I was like, that's stupid. And then I was like, but I love it. Yeah. Like, having a, a horde of poisoned bats attack people. And because, like, from the very first moment, there's a flashback between her and Mouse. And she's like, what happened to all the rats? And he's like, well, Alice, rats eat bats. Or bats eat rats. Mm. Do they? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't he think they do. So matter of fact. He said it's so matter of fact. <laughs> and then so she tapes a rat to his corpse. That's like what kicks it all out. Like it's all insane. And then I don't know about you, Mike, but when you saw her like release the bats, I had a real fear that she put tiny little bombs in each of these bats and uh-huh. was gonna set them to explode. And I was like, Batwoman, what are you doing? But no, poison. So poison. And Batwoman use captures them in a police in like a jail bus. Yeah, she straight like up tells the driver. Like all of it, it was so silly. The driver, she's like, get out. And he was like, no. And she's like, you're going to. And uh, I'm loving her as a Batwoman because she gives no fucks. And also, yes. uh, this episode we found out uh, she is down with murder. She didn't murder, but she is completely down with murder. Well, it's, it's so Alice is this show's Joker. And Ryan makes a great argument. Of like she'll keep killing people. You guys haven't handled her well enough in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Yanu. even if you have a don't murder policy, maybe murder your Joker. Sometimes somebody needs to be murdered, and if that's your boss, again, you can go ahead and murder them. It's fine. <laughs> uh, we had I had a uh, like um, wow. Don't know where I was going there. I just got so many ideas all at once. But uh. <laughs> Uh, how did you feel with um, Alice's turn at the end? Like, do you, how much of the first season did you watch? And do you know uh, Sophia? No, I think Sophia's new okay. to this show. I didn't watch that much of last season, but I, I believe she's new. And that she has minions. So we didn't meet mm-hmm. Sophia. We met Tatiana. And I hope all of her minions have Instagram influencer names. <laughs> I really hope that trend continues. Also, Tatiana has a huge sword. She's very Instagram friendly. Like, she would have yeah. a big profile. The Graham loves swords. <laughs> and But yeah, I, I like the idea of like, now there's a third party because Alice mm-hmm. is against the villains. So will she, I bet her and Batwoman will sometimes team up, sometimes be against each other. Like, yeah. I'm here for all that kind of shit. And Alice is insane uh, in the best way. She calls herself a supervillain and doesn't get laughed at. Yeah, because she, <laughs> she is, man. There's She can back it up. Uh, how did you feel about Ryan straight up asking to be Batwoman? Yeah. Is there I, anything else you guys can call her, please? Please. <laughs> Wilder? Nope. Ryan, why were you asking to be Batwoman? <laughs> What's up with that, dude? You, you thought know, the red wig looked very good on you? You know the suit's not going to fit, bro. Okay. Wow, a ginger joke and a fat joke. Back to back right there, guys. Good job. <laughs> the one-two punch. But yeah, I thought it was cool. Like they're, I like the writing style that they're doing, a very laid back and just like pretty grounded of just like this woman would have to ask to be Batwoman. They weren't down and she was like, I enjoy... Like, I gave hope to the people, and uh, I would like yeah. to do this, please. Please let me have it. And the, and the little moments, I don't think, I think it's strong, but it's not too ham-fisted yet of putting in, like, real issues. Like, mm-hmm. Luke is saying she can't be Batwoman because she's black, and Mary's like, I don't think that's something you should say to somebody. I think she knows she's black. <laughs> uh, like, um, she knows that. <laughs> and then when she's talking to Sophie, who's, like, the number two on the Crows, who's Kate Kane's ex, 
uh, Sophie starts to think Ryan knows things because she's like, I know why Alice isn't dead. And she's like, how do you know Alice is Beth? And she's like, I'm saying she's white. And Mm -hmm. if Alice looked like me, you would have killed her. And Sophie's like, oh, shit. (laughs) I just gave away a huge thing. Um, Like, that is all the time we have, though. Do you have a moment of the week? Yeah, uh, I have two. One is uh, Alice being Alice. And it's when she's talking to, like, Julia Pennyworth. And she says, why would I work with a psychopath to Alice? And Alice says, uh... Because there's another psychopath hunting you? Her tone <laughs> and her long drawn out uh is why we love Alice. And then uh so when Sophie's interrogating Ryan and she's saying, like, we're looking for possible enemies, and Ryan says, You mean like every agent in this building? It's too bad she didn't have someone who loved her watching her back and like just really Ooh. stabs Sophie in the stomach with her words. Yeah, dude, that one was savage. Uh, my moment of the week is when the bats were attacking and all the cops just started to trying to shoot the bats in the air, just like <laughs> shotguns, everything going in the air. It was the most realistic portrayal of cops I've ever seen. I was like, yep, there it is. Way to go. Um, bat a cab, right? All cops are bat shooters. That's right. Uh, Batwoman is on Sundays on the CW. Our next show is Riverdale. Real quick, Mike, before we, I get to that, uh, who fucked up more? Cassie not watching, because this sounded awesome, me not watching Batwoman or Cassie not watching Resident Alien? Probably Cassie not watching Resident Alien. Yeah, come on, Cassie. It has Alan Tudyk. What are we doing? No, I'll watch it uh, next week. I got this. On this week's episode of Riverdale, the gang seems to somehow knowingly prepare for a giant time jump. Jughead and Betty solve the case of the auteur in record time. It was that FBI agent and, of course, Chick and, of course, Jellybean. Meanwhile, Archie is coming to terms with everything that has ever happened in his life. And Veronica and her sister take over her dad's business after Hiram gets the shit kicked out of him one too many times. And Veronica's Hermosa bitch shoots three rival gang members. Anticipation cucks, I ask you this. With all of that going on, are we saying let's do the time warp again? Or do you want to stay in this time period? It Talking about feeling rushed. It felt like it was somehow a time jump was mandated to them, so they had to do all this, and it was not at all. They controlled their flow, and they wrapped up everything at a crazy speed, uh, and none of it was like Riverdale crazy fun to watch. It was all like, okay, guys. What's weird, uh, like even though they're not, oh, we don't even know if they're in the same universe, but uh, Verona, or uh, I'm sorry, Sabrina and Riverdale like in communication with each other. Uh, I thought that this episode of Riverdale was bad, but also I thought that Sabrina could have used one of these episodes before the finale, you know, Uh to sort of like, let's get a bunch of things tied up so we can move into the craziness. And then Riverdale did that, and it was also not good. So Yeah. (laughs) So maybe it's just just hard to pull off. I I will say I love that the auteur is three people. At least, <laughs> like it really does. I don't know if it's an intended fuck you to anybody who's an auteur, but no one person makes a movie. So I like that critique there. Well, for uh, non Patreon people, this week's Patreon episode of uh, we call it the Cast Band for Superhero is uh, bets on the future of WandaVision. And this episode of Riverdale, or the at least the auteur reveal, was like all of them. How, how, yeah. how many theories are there? <laughs> oh, all all of them will be all the theories. It seems all right for Riverdale though. Let's dive in a little bit and let's start with Archie. At what point watching this Archie meltdown come together were you like, oh, this episode's bullshit and uh, we just need to move on? I think it's when his uncle came to talk sense into him by letting Archie beat his face in. The third, the third <laughs> person in this episode, Archie just basically lives the life of a double dragon character, just moving yeah. from scene to scene with people who want to come in and either kick the shit out of him or 
uh, get the shit kicked out by him. Uh, I could not believe this was happening. And Archie is always game. At no point will Archie be like, oh, man, I just kicked the shit out of somebody after breakfast. I think I'm good right now. I, I don't remember his ex-mercenary Uncle Frank, but I love all of that sentence. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and his, yeah, he's like, well, Archie needs to get over the death of Fred and, and forgive the person who did a hit and run. The only way he'll break through is beating me right in the face. <laughs> like- and it's not like... Uh, so many times in movies, they, like that happens, and then the guy who's getting beaten, who like lets you do that, they're like, "Oh, okay, okay." Uncle Frank gets taken the fuck out. Like yeah. he gets knocked in the jaw a couple times, goes to the ground. It was hardcore. It's like, oh yeah, Archie owns a gym and spends most of his time at that boxing gym. He's not just like a weird kid. Uh, is that dumber than Veronica and her sister and their plan to take over the gang? I don't think their plan is dumb. They had to make a dumb plan because they're dealing with somebody dumb who's like, if I act like an asshole and just hit people when I want to, it'll keep my cancer at bay. <laughs> so if you're dealing with that, you have to dumb down how you're going to handle them, which is beat them, hire somebody to beat them, and then don't give them a Band-Aid when they say, can you please help me? But Veronica laid that on thick when he was looking at her and she's like, and here's all the reasons. I was like, "This your performance is going to make him go, oh, you made this happen, didn't you? <laughs> Do you, you had a prepared speech. Is it just me, or do you get this impression that like when Veronica and her sister talk about Hiram, or when they talk to Hiram, it's super hot and steamy? Like it gets me all worked up. Is that is that you too? I get that that happens to you. Okay, <laughs> I will take that for sure. I also, talk about wrapping things up uh, for Hermione, Veronica's mom. Okay, here we go. This is the biggest moment of the episode. Who, who has sucked? Anyway, because she's like, he's dangerous. I'm with him. Veronica, why are you mad at your husband or, or, or your father? Uh, for her to be like, I never loved you. And I'm going to be a real housewife of New York. And you can't stop me this time. I wish it would have been so much better for the CW if she said, Andy Cohen, look, Andy Cohen contacted me and asked me to be on Real Housewives of Riverdale. And that's the <laughs> spinoff show. Yes. It's like a mockumentary Bravo show of just like Hermione and Archie's mom Alice. and maybe <laughs> Sabrina's aunt. That would have been great. I want it. But yeah, like her like her confidence in saying my life will be fine without you, Hiram, because Andy Cohen called me. I love that. Four years ago, I was I don't know if she knows how fast that stuff moves. Honey, I don't know if Andy Cohen still wants you. Now in real life, she left the show along with uh the Skeets. Oh really? But does that so does that mean that we're never gonna see clips from Real Housewives I, of New York? I bet season six we'll get uh a one-off episode that is all the Real Housewives of New York. So, like how Thirty Rock did that show where it was just Tracy Jordan's wife's reality show. Yeah, uh, yeah. we'll get the Riverdale's version. Guys, if that happens in season six, we are uh, we're gonna watch it together. We're gonna get some red wine and we're gonna yeah. get some cheeses <laughs> and we're gonna gab. It's gonna be a gab fest about that episode. Yeah, we'll do a whole special episode that's make way closer to bitch sesh than <laughs> it is to our show. I can't wait for that. Uh, Ryan, do you got a moment of the week? Yeah, my vote of the week is from the plot line we didn't talk about because of how fucking dumb it was, which was just Betty and Jughead solving the case with no, like, uh, there's no fanfare. It was just like, by the numbers. I'm terribly worried. These kids are going to go be detectives and realize that it doesn't always just fall into their laps and it's not always a family member who did it. And they're going to get screwed in the real world. They're going to talk to one potential witness and the witness is going to be like, oh, I don't know anything. They're going to be like, what the fuck? No. You're supposed to tell us the answer. Um, uh, but Betty calls uh, somebody's mom 
to check in on them, and it turns out she's dead. And the lady is like, uh, is this Donna? And Betty, one of the greatest detectives of all time, is like, yes, <clears throat> this is Donna. Uh, uh, come on, it, Betty, it, it, get it your was, shit it together. Was so, it was so stumbly that it felt like the other actor said something <laughs> the actor who plays Betty didn't expect. <laughs> it felt like true surprise. Uh, Mike, what do you got for moment of the week? Uh, I have two, because why not? Uh, the first, the funniest thing I think this show has ever done is Archie looks upset because they're all trying on like graduation gowns and Betty says, Archie, is something wrong? And he says, are you kidding me? What isn't wrong? Cause yeah, think about their lives. <laughs> is something wrong is the dumbest question you could ask anybody at all. And my second one, I forget. So that's it for now. I, I'll do, uh, let me do my second one on a zoom call. <laughs> one of the villains just straight up says, uh, consider this our revenge. And yeah. in every other show, revenge is supposed to be like, what? You're clearly trying to get revenge. But you're like, what? No, that's crazy. I'm not doing that at all. And this person straight up says, uh, this will be our revenge. <laughs> You've been revenged. Okay, I remember my second one. It's Archie's mom. When they get a, a, the, the tape that of Ar- of the auteur sent Archie of the Black Hood having a gun to his head, that he keeps rewatching. His mom sees it. And she says, we need to send that to the sheriff or Betty and Jughead. In her head, that is equal law enforcement of this town. All right, so if Mike gets three, let me do one more. Uh, Hiram Hiram says is has the shit kicked out of him, and he's like, uh, "Veronica, go get my first aid kit." And Veronica says, "No." And then Hiram says, "All right, I will give you my business." That is seriously how this episode of Riverdale works. That's how that family works, and I'm here for it. God, man, this show. Uh, it is on Wednesdays on the CW. Our final show this week is WandaVision. On the fourth episode of WandaVision, we see what's happening outside of Westfield, Virginia, aka the WandaVision broadcast, and start to piece the puzzle together along with the S.W.O.R.D. agency. Speaking of S.W.O.R.D., it turns out Geraldine is not only a member of the agency, but is Monica Rambeau, aka the daughter of Maria Rambeau, who is Carol Danvers' BFF. Sword, along with the FBI and all the scientists they could find, start running experiments on the barrier, and through their discoveries, along with Monica being pushed out by Wanda, we get confirmation that Wanda is definitely controlling this reality, but there appears to be someone else censoring the broadcast. So, Taste Buds, it's time for my thought-provoking question. Can you believe this ish just keeps getting better? It. This is the angriest I've been that it's a half an hour show. Honestly. Like, it ended, I was like, no! Or that it, no. or that it uh, doesn't come out again for a week. Yes, yeah. I saw somebody say like there there had there there has to be a model in between binging and one a week. What if you did like a mini series event and that would be perfect for Wandavision? There's a show on I think TNT called Search Party that does three episodes a week, and it's okay, it's it's a mystery show. Um, yeah. But let me just let me let me. Uh, I feel like that I've been the only one to like splash cold water on YouTube Wandavision fanatics. Uh, this one was not about a sitcom. This was the outside world. And I feel like that we still sort of ended up in the same place at the end, but without like the funny sitcom hijinks. I am so intrigued. I think this is like a lot of Lost fans. I'm so intrigued by the show. I want to know more, but I'm not sure if it's as good as we're all saying. That's how I felt about Westworld. Yeah. Is I watched every episode of the first season and every episode I was like, whoa, wait, I hated that. (laughs) But... (laughs) I, that's why I wanted this one to be longer because we still it answered things, but it didn't 
the narrative didn't push forward. It just pushed it just, sideways. Right. Yeah, we just got like, it filled in gaps of what we were like speculating. And now we're at like a ground level, but a solid grounding. I feel like we had no ground and now we at least have ground. So right. I'm, and I, I'm here but- for it. I'm a little bit playing devil's advocate, or should I say Mephisto's advocate right here. Thank you. But uh, <laughs> I mean, we ended up with like the big thing of what's going to happen is Monica Rambeau, which again, that last name looks cool on paper. It's R-A-M-B-E-A-U. Yes, but when you say it loud, it's, it's just Rambo. It's just John Rambo. She's going to put on a red bandana and go back into Westfield. <laughs> uh, the big thing in the climax is her flying out of the world and into the real world, which is something that we already knew. Like we already right. knew that that happened and uh, it's really hard and i hate the people on the internet talking shit because this is going to be a six episode thing and not right. this should not be talked about or judged episode by episode but still i was a, i was a little bit wanting after it was done i was just wanting for more episodes but i do want to know so this episode gave us a couple different characters from like the mcu in general because we got andy Wu, the like fbi guy or is that Jimmy Woo? I can't remember. Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. And then also... Andy Darcy Cohen Lewis. and Jimmy Woo. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we got Jimmy Woo, Andy Cohen, and Darcy. <laughs> the whole gang's here. And do you think they were thrown in for like a significant reason? Or it was just a cool chance to throw in, like tie everything together? I think they knew they were making Marvel's first straight-up comedy. And so they're like, well, let's use our family members who've been in comedies their whole career. Mm-hmm. So they grabbed Randall Park and Kat Dennings. And... I love the two of them together. That's yeah. a, the comedy part is a really good point, but and I know that a lot of critics have an issue with the MCU because it's not really art; it's more from a factory line, you know. Like a lot of people say about the MC, all MCU stuff that it's a uh, high floor, low ceiling, and that it's it's hard to like, you know, be artistic in the MCU, and they don't understand why people love it. But this is it. This is it. In this episode. We saw a character from Thor and a character from Ant-Man come together to find a grown-up version of a character from Captain Marvel. And yeah. that is like that's so fucking chill inducing. And I'm sorry that I'm sounding nerdy, but that's just a I mean, that's the fucking mayonnaise on top of the mustard compared to the the opening, which is Monica Rambeau waking up and then witnessing the blip and then having the Marvel intro come in right after that. Guys, I'm yeah. getting chills right now just hearing my voice. We had yeah. never seen the immediate aftermath of the, the unblipping. <laughs> and it that was like a heavy hitting, I want to watch like a This Is Us style show <laughs> about just normal folks in the Marvel Universe because the shit they have to deal with is madness. And I'm sorry, I said the blip. Uh, at some point in the hospital and all the chaos, uh, Rambo says the blip and one doctor who's crazed and running everywhere stops and says this is the unblippening you will call it that and then runs away <laughs> yeah they were real rude to her and uh, and it did de- it dealt with the chaos like people were running into each other because they just appeared so it. somebody in the five years later is in the same spot somebody five years ago disappeared right so they bounced off of each other <laughs> and look let's be honest if we were getting the marvel movies at a rate that we used to which is like two or three a year as opposed to what quarantine gave us which is black Zero. widow being postponed forever then maybe this wouldn't have hit. But it's been so long since I've seen some fucking MCU shit. And I was just jumping up and down. I was just yeah. freaking out. And I don't know if WandaVision could get a season two. But by ke- getting these characters together, there's a, a short run comic called uh, Next Wave Agents of Hate. And it had Jimmy Woo and it had Monica Rambeau in it. And they were like 
fuck up agents of shield who like made fun of if that's what we get spinning out of this i love it i believe that team also had gorilla man a man who was a yes. gorilla so yes it i did. am definitely down all for that the powers of a gorilla and all the powers of a man <laughs> the um so i know we talked about a little bit on this in the patreon cast pin but so once they lock on to this broadcast they start trying to like identify all the people that are stuck in this reality in westfield and um none of did any of those names seem familiar to you guys or these are just these are just people at these point this point no, I don't know if those were the names of writers and artists or deep, okay. deep, right. deep dive Marvel characters that I have never heard of, but the, I don't think there was clues in what their actual what names were. Was, what I did enjoy was seeing that scene was them trying to figure it out, you know, and they're writing on the board because it's straight up us. It was straight up like, is Vision alive? And like uh-huh. all this yeah. stuff that's like literally me <laughs> yeah, trying to figure this their out. Their whiteboard. And it, it just, why sitcom? Yeah. It was very good. But, <laughs> That's, that was the best part about this episode is, and it wasn't supposed to be the first Disney Plus TV show. You know, right. like there was supposed to be two before this. It became the first. And so now we're entering into this world where the MCU is on TV. And, we ha- and the first MCU TV show is a show about TV and the importance of TV and why TV. And is television even important at all? I thought I, it might have been accidental, but I thought it was interesting yeah. for them to be like, TV, doesn't that suck? Oh wait, what if it doesn't? You know, and they're they're answering those questions inside and outside of the show. Mm-hmm. Was- While keeping there's like less eeriness because we're not in it watching stuff, but the the, the when we're seeing Monica's backstory and seeing her meet Jimmy and him being like, it doesn't want anybody to go in. Can't mm-hmm. you feel that? Like there's still it kept that chilling factor that the shows happen. So even though so much of the tone and style looks different, it knows what its actual core is, which is disturbing us. There was also a point where we saw a guy go into a well and then go through the world, and then he became a guy surrounded by bees. Did you guys like that bee plot? Mm-hmm. Great. It was a very good bee plot. But uh, to actually answer your question, I did enjoy seeing how everything was manipulated, even though we knew what was coming. Like, as soon as you saw the person and they were yeah. like, they're going yeah. through the barrier, you're like, oh, dang. But I did enjoy seeing their, like, original, like, what they originally were. Like, I never got tired of that. It was still a lot of fun for me. And the thing, I, I always like seeing what becomes what when you cross through the thing. You know, like, you can't be an FBI agent in a hazmat suit to so become a beekeeper. But the, the rope that tied him to the real world... Once he crossed over, it was one of those clackety jump ropes. Do you guys remember yeah, those? Child's jump rope, yeah. <laughs> it's very oh, good. you're going to pinch your finger. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we did this episode at the end, even though it started where we like left off, we did get to see actually the showdown between um, Wanda and Geraldine. And it was good just to see like Wanda kind of lose her shit a bit. Like That, got that was the confirmation. Because they cut it last week. I was like, oh, maybe it, Wanda isn't in control. Mm-hmm. And this showed us Wanda is and can be very, very scary when she's staring at you with those red glowy hands. Yeah. It's the first time we got the glowy hands, too, because, you know, normally it was like bewitch style stuff just floating. Yeah. But then you, when you see her actually like use her powers, it really made it like stand out more. And I was like, oh, shit. Very excited. And, um, in, and in Wanda's former life, she had Captain America and uh, potential like innocent victims and the physics of Earth to deal with. You know, all that mm-hmm. shit keeps her in check. And like uh, I, I, a person that she loves who is alive, sort of. And mm-hmm. that's all stuff that like kept her sane. Now, when you become God of the world instead of just a person with all of those stakes, you, you'll get crazy no matter what. You know, so right. even if she wasn't crazy coming into Westfield, she's fucked up now. Yeah. Well, especially when sometimes you're looking at the person you want to screw and they have just 
a giant hole in the middle of their head. Yeah. God, that's going to mess you up. And they're made of literal screws. <laughs> but that was like, that's when it got real haunting again. And it was like, got me excited for the next episode is we see her starting to lose that grip on her control. When vision mm-hmm. does go back to his like dead self. It was wild. Oh, that was so scary. Dude. It was that really was shocking. Yeah. Was not ready for that. Uh, this sadly is all the time we have to talk about it though. So Mike, do you have a moment of the week? If it's not the vision death face, uh, it has to be Randall Park saying, so you're saying a uni- the universe created a sitcom starring two of the Avengers? Yeah. And that is the world's reaction yeah. when they announced WandaVision? Uh, yeah. Quote, quote the internet. Uh, and Randall Park, I want more of him in my life always. So. Yeah, he's very good. Oh, Ryan, what's your moment of the week? I got two. One, the internet gave me. I didn't notice, but then the internet told me that uh, when Randall Park goes to give Monica his card, uh, it's the same card trick that Scott Lang taught him in Ant-Man yeah, and the yeah. Wasp, the whole like <laughs> flip it out of nowhere thing. Come on, guys. We like universality. We like everything being connected. That's an awesome connection. But my real one is at the very, very end, like the very last second, um, Vision's like, we should bail, right? Because you're looking at me like I have dead face. And Scarlet, <laughs> Scarlet Witch is like, no, this is our home. This is our home. And he smiles. He gives the fake husband smile. And then when Wanda walks away and can't see him anymore, it's the biggest face of terror and if that's not fucking marriage, ladies and gentlemen, hello. <laughs> yeah, what face did he see on her when she said that? <laughs> uh, my moment of the week is just watching um, AJ Wu and Darcy like snacking there, watching the broadcast, just enjoying yeah. it as a show in itself. Like <laughs> delightful. Love those two I, together. They've stopped saying why sitcom and have just gotten into the sitcom yes. while everybody else is still acting like normal agents of sort. <laughs> they're trying to conduct business and they're just watching a TV show and I love it. Uh, WandaVision is on Disney Plus on Fridays. You should definitely be watching it. Uh, coming up next, it is time for some X-Taz. Welcome to X-Taz Mania, bitch. A mini show within a show where we take an in-depth, episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s, X-Men the Animated Series. We have finished the first season last week and we're just so excited about this you know we can't move on we gotta scream about it because it was such a formidable show it was formidable to mike and ryan's lives and apparently everyone on this earth so we're gonna take some time right now well, just celebrate it mike and i always say that uh what how mike and i were when we were like eight to twelve years old is like how cassie is now so mm-hmm. i yes. would say that it's cassie what formative for you uh the <laughs> You guys accidentally talked about the whole season on the penultimate episode after it because that was one I was not here. And there was actually one episode after that. But Cassie, you seemed stoked about the first season, yes? Like you seemed like down to continue. Oh, it's so good. It really is. I honestly was surprised by how much I was enjoying it because I honestly thought that this would just be like an okay thing to pass some time and you guys were just like very fond of it and blowing it out of proportion. But it's genuinely a lot of fun. But the cartoons for kids before this show were like He-Man and t- like they were just toy commercials. For it to be allowed to be this weird and this complex is insane. That any any adult would like, yeah, that's fine. And this <laughs> and this thoughtful and this thoughtless, you know, yes. like th- th- like so much philosophy and time, but also they were so rushed by networks and animation companies that it's also a, a steaming pile of garbage yeah. at so the same time. It's just like philosophy's crazy while they keep sprinting. I think that's what really brings me back is that it is a disaster and yet it's working. Is I I just love this little gym. Uh, but you but, know, what's up, Brad? 
Uh, I was just going to ask Mike real quick because I'm somewhere actually between Mike and Cassie. Uh, I've seen it before, so more than Cassie, but not that much. Mike, you're a diehard, diehard fan. Um, It was my favorite growing up. And then uh, in my early 20s, I was gifted to it by my sister. And so I rewatched it as a young adult. This let me ask you. This is the two types of podcaster you typically are. Was watch doing the season with me and Cassie? Was it like? Did you feel more like as a like a wise man or a shepherd leading us, <laughs> or did you feel like? Did you feel like a college freshman just being like, "Whoa, I never thought about like this is better than I ever thought anything could be." I guess closer to the wise man, but mostly no <laughs> actual critical thought and just like oh, every time. <laughs> It's a good one to just turn your brain off to and really enjoy just the wildness that's happening on the screen. Uh, to start this off, though, we have been working on some X-Men villain rankings. So we, of course, are going to go to that, try to rearrange a couple and also add some new ones in. So I'll give a rundown. For this first one right now, We are gonna, I'm gonna let, we're, each of us are going to be able to either move up uh, a villain or move a villain down. So we can rearrange this. So I'll start with what we have right now. We broke it up between an A-list and a B-list. So starting off with your A-list in the number one spot is, of course, Magneto. Then we got Juggernaut, followed by Sabretooth. Number four, the Hellfire Club. And five, Henry Gygrich. That's I think that's A-list. a good top four. And that five one really comes out of nowhere. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, wait, who? Just a that's guy a- you work with? You get the pop filter flair there where you really, you got to feel like his first name's Henry. So it really throws you off. But like, he uh- is the scientist. Uh, I just thought of something, Mike. What? We each each of the three of us get to move something up or down one. Oh, you realized the thing that Cassie realized on a break and cackled <laughs> because she realized the board did not think yeah. of. And if okay, to- but if if Cassie goes first, and again nobody knows what we're talking about, but if Cassie goes first, then one of us can go after her and then move it back down. <laughs> anyway. Cassie, what's the B-list? Set the order, though, so this will be fun for me. Uh, B-list, you guys, and this is where our joy's coming in right now. Um, Starting it off on number six is Mojo, seven, Boulevard Trask, eight, Sentinels, nine, Strife, and number ten at the very last spot. The big contention here is Onslaught as number ten, which um, Mike and Ryan are very adamant about, and I feel like he can't yeah. be that bad. So it's so crazy how high up on the list Onslaught is. <laughs> just just because we only have ten, we're gonna get them lower. <laughs> All right, you guys. So we are gonna move these villains around. I'll start this off, of course, with Ryan. Ryan, what do you want to move? Cassie, you can go before me. If I mean, I feel like. <laughs> I'm polite, if nothing else. Mm, I feel like for this whole time I've been on here, uh, you haven't been a gentleman, and why start now? So you can go ahead. <laughs> uh, now that we're done with the entire show, I and like how like dealing with them in the past, present, and future, and days of present, past, and days of future, present, and days of past, future, and days of past, present. Mm-hmm. Sentinels are far, far, far too low, and I, I'm going to move them up. I would like them to continue moving up. I think that they're A-listers. But eight is eight of these ten is way too low, and I'm going to move them up one right now. That's fair. The Sentinels, I think I had a part in that because I didn't know how big of a part they played. But after this first season, I definitely feel like these are some big boys. We got it. We definitely got to move them up. Oh shit, Cassie! I was just thinking I moved the Sentinels up one, but with your turn, you could also move the Sentinels up what? one, and that would be your turn. I could do that, couldn't I? That's interesting. Let's see what Mike does though. Mike, what are you moving? I. I want to define some names because there's a lot of just old man names. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure we're all talking about the right people here. Uh, Bolivar Trask is the scientist, right? White lab coat, 
gray hair. Yes. And Henry Gyrich is like reflective glasses. Oh, yes. Uh, for some sort of government. Yes. But we're never sure. But so, yeah, we have Bolivar Trask, which is the uh, crazy scientist. Henry Gyrich is the like e- pseudo, like deep dive FBI agent. And then we're going to do another one tonight, which right. is Senator Kelly. Senator Kelly. So that's the actual upfront white person right. governor. Okay. So I remembered Gyrich being way more involved, but he just sort of shows up sometimes. He has a lot of hate, but I don't know how much shit he causes the X-Men. So I want to move him down one. Also, Mojo fucking rules. Yes. And that gets Mojo, <laughs> who was my submission a few weeks ago, into the A-list and Gyrich into the B-list. Uh, another plan there. Okay, I do like it. And wow, would you like it's only left to me here and I get to move whichever way I want, including one up a spot. Um, I obviously do want to move <laughs> Onslaught, but it, it feels like a cheat. I want to I wanna earn moving Onslaught more. So I'm not going to take this out. What does it mean to you, Cassie? I'm going to find a worse villain. Like, I will find one. I will bring one to your guys' attention and make you realize that <laughs> Onslaught is not <laughs> as bad as some other ones. And that's my goal. Earning, that's it, earning it means goal. that me and Mike... Ha- it means me and Mike have to openly admit that there's somebody worse than Onslaught. That's what <laughs> earning it means. <laughs> yes. Is, is there an I- off-slot? That would be the only way. <laughs> Well, fuck, now you're making me want to feel like this is my only chance, but I'm going to stick to my morals here. I am with uh, Ryan. I'm with both of you guys, but I do want, now I see that Sentinels are below Henry in the uh, B-list here, and that does not feel right. So I'm going to move up the Sentinels. Yeah, I think Henry got so high because he's just such a piece of shit. Yeah. And you know what? His name's fucking Henry, and that really got me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I just found it so funny that his name's Henry, honestly. So that's how he got there. But now, so our new listing as of right now, the top A list we got Magneto, Juggernaut, Sabretooth, Hellfire Club, Mojo, and then this B makes list more sense. Sen- yeah, B list Sentinels, Henry Guyrich, Boulevard Trask, Strife, and Onslaught at ten. And uh, so that's the ranking. We are going to add a couple more to this. So let's put in Master Mold somewhere. Oh, Ryan, where do you think Master Mold should go? I mean, we're doing overall comics, movies, cartoons. Um, so I need to keep that in mind because Master Mold is a crazy big deal in the cartoons, but maybe not so much anywhere else. I would I, love a movie where Master Mold's the main villain. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that I would settle him right under the Sentinels. Um, I know that he's the creator of Sentinels, but my mom isn't responsible for my terribleness. I am. And he kind oh, of so you're he sat back a lot while they fought a lot. I am, yes. Yeah. But it does like yeah. he fought a lot while he sa- or the Sentinels fought while he sat back and just made more. So it, it makes sense. I like that. Uh, or Mike, do you feel good about Sentinels being or not Sentinels? Master Mold. Master Mold. Yeah, I feel good about it. <laughs> All right. All right. We can put Master Mold right underneath the Sentinels. I agree with it as well. Our next ranking, we got to put in Senator Kelly. Uh, Mike, where are you initially feeling for this? This motherfucker. Uh, is he the worst Sen- of the straight white males? That's what we should first decide. I Well, he starts to learn. And in the movies, he learns by the end after he gets forced into being a mute. No, he doesn't. He just dies. He says, I'm sorry he dies. Then Mystique plays him. Uh, 
he's a piece of shit. And I do think an hour after the Capitol attack, he would have been like, I still don't think Biden's president. So I think he's up there. I think he is the worst of the straight white males. I'm going to put him in between the Sentinels and Master Mold is my submission. Oh, a little I, Sammy right there. I would go one lower. Cassie, and, uh, it, so it's up to you. I would keep Sentinels and Master Mold together and then put these three fucking straight white Christian males all together. Just the trio yeah. of real dudes yeah, that could exist. The trio of idiots that could <laughs> exist. What do you mean could exist? That do exist. Do exist and they're they everywhere. Exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you, Ryan. Well, let's put them right under Master Mold and start off this terrible white old men section. Um, okay, next one we're ranking Nimrod. So, Ryan, what are you feeling for Nimrod? So, uh, as a kid, of course, was this kid, but uh, I have anybody I, knew you by name? No one knew me by name, Mike. <laughs> and I could never or figure out what twi- what twenty plus twenty one was. I could never figure out that sum. I uh, I always thought that Nimrod was stupid, but it's just because of his name. Because his name means a stupid person, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're a Nimrod. Well, it's, the Sentinels aren't creative creatures, and they named him so. <laughs> Um, but watching this cartoon, it made me realize that uh, somebody at some point in the future fixed all the issues with Sentinels and stopped making them such dumb stooges and yeah. made them really capable. They realized size isn't what's scary. <laughs> it's yeah, just the ability. It's the ability to like stand perfectly still and float at you. That's what's scary. You know, if there was a Nimrod action figure, there was wheels on the bottom of his feet, and he would drag it back on that flat table and let him <laughs> wheel forward. That's the secret of Nim Rod. I would, I would, I know we just did this with the straight white males. I would do this with the Sentinels as well. I would put him in between Sentinels and Master Mold, yeah, and just keep them together because right now we've got this buffer of Mojo. You know, yeah. like he is the bottom of the A list, and I'm not putting Nim Rod ab- above Mojo. <laughs> Fuck he it, also- don't even ask me to. <laughs> For me, I'm fine with that ranking because it, it makes sense. We got a little bit of Nimrod, and we know he was more powerful than the Sentinels, but he hasn't gotten as much. Like, he hasn't done enough for the comics right. at this point for or anything. For our X-Men, yeah. Yeah. So I do like him there. How are you feeling about it, Mike? I think that's perfect. All right. There he is right there making a Sentinel sandwich in between the two. Mm-hmm. Our next ranking is, of course, Apocalypse, you guys. You know I need this boy on here. I personally love Apocalypse, but Mike, where would you feel to put this guy? And again, not to have a Mephisto thing that like we had earlier in the Patreon section. Cassie's saying she likes him as a well-written villain, not that she loves him as her master, who she will follow to her death. <laughs> so we think. I, I think, g- g- knowing that the rankings will change and the show is going to continue, I'm just going to look at the Apocalypse we've seen so far, and he kind of sucks. Mm. current apocalypse i'm mm. gonna put below the straight one man trio holy below. shit holy shit these low. three normal ass dudes cause more problems for the x-men than apocalypse does so far he's got four horsemen and he lives at stonehenge <laughs> how could he so be he can't lower? do shit alone but it's he comes with the crew though like you bring in you bring in one you get them all you know we're talking about somebody who uh, is kind of cheesy, in the, and the way that Mike is talking makes me think that at some point in the future of the cartoon, he's going to fucking start kicking ass. But right now, he's kind of a big, tall dope, and this is someone in real life, I will say, was played by Oscar Isaacs in a... Uh, I've never seen it, but terrible movie. One of the worst, yeah. Whew. That being said, I'm putting him number two. 
What? Oh, damn. Because are you thinking the comic books? Yeah, I thought we were doing overall. Yeah, I guess I really honed in what we've seen so far. That's true. I'll I'll stop. He's just so dumb in the cartoon so far. But yeah, <laughs> but he's so delightful. You're right. If we're taking over all of them, he belongs higher up and definitely in the top five. Okay. And Cassie referring to him as delightful makes me a little <laughs> bit worried about. Yeah, his... I think you were wrong that she he, she just thinks he's a well written character. Cassie yes. at one point in this podcast said he has four apocalypse or soon to be three until I can get in there and become the fourth. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if he gives me one of those robo horses, I'll sign. I'll sign robo whatever contract horse. he wants. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm glad we're all on this. I feel like we've gotten to him being in the top five, and that feels more proper than way down there, because, Mike, that was insane. Um, I don't know about two. Is he better than Juggernaut? I would say right under Juggernaut for me right now, uh, just because of how he is in the comics. It probably... And our, we don't know what it is in the future for him. I'm going to say right there. No! Mojo just dropped into the B list. Yeah. Mojo dropped. Poor Mojo. Okay, last one we're ranking today. Uh, no, that was the last one that we were ranking. So R no, wait. Sorry. Mystique. Yeah, we're supposed to have one more. Okay. Which one are Mystique we? Mystique and Pyro. Two more. Mystique and Pyro. How could we not? All right, let's start with Mystique. Ryan, where would you throw it? Oh, Mystique. Um, I will refer once again to the episode of Superhero Show Show that I missed, where Cassie was like, wait, hold on. She seriously rogues mom? And Mike was like, yes, yes, Cassie. Actually, she <laughs> is. Um, and not only that, but I think that all of Mike's reasons for not wanting Apocalypse to be high up just based on the cartoon, Mystique kind of handles. Mystique is kind of a uh, boss-ass baller through the cartoon yeah. and everything. Her importance to the X-Men, uh, her powers, the fact that she has been portrayed by both Rebecca Romaine-Stamos and Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Stamos. Hyphen Stamos. Look into the future. Good for John Stamos. <laughs> I'm going bottom of the A list. I'm saying Hellfire Club, get out of here. I'm going number five. Number five. Okay, but you'd think Sabretooth does have a bigger role than Mystique. I mean, when you say it like that, I don't. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with just below Sabretooth. Okay. I, I, I say in between Apocalypse and Sabretooth. Oh, shit! Yeah. I'm feeling better about that because I don't know... A Sabretooth doesn't seem like that much, like he's powerful, but he doesn't seem to cause as much issues as Mystique. Mystique's always there, she's in the movies, and she's just, she's like constantly an evil source, so I feel good about her being up there. Sabretooth is interesting because he always really just fucks with Wolverine, ignores the rest of the (laughs) X-Men, Yeah, (laughs) and Mystique goes, at least goes after all of them. Yeah, he really focuses on the one. In X-Men Evolution, the show I hope we do once we finish this cartoon. Uh, Mystique is one of the biggest thorns in their side. Sabretooth will say, like, all right, X-Men, that's it. It's been 30 years, and now I'm a good guy. I'm just on your team. I will not fuck with anybody. And then Wolverine yawns, and then Sabretooth just jams his finger right in his open mouth. I I can't stop, Wolverine. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, the last villain we're ranking today is, of course, Pyro. We could never forget him. Mike, since you threw him in there, where would you place this boy? Okay, Pyro. And this is considering uh, comics and his shitty greaser version of the movies i think pyro should go right under strife his powers seem cool he controls fire but the movie just makes him do just like blow torches the show at least like he makes lines out of the fire but he oh, it's the goofiest costume he has a dumb accent and he always fails immediately 
<laughs> okay, yes, Mike, you're about to start reading the new X-Men run, right? Uh-huh. And Pyro's a good guy because all mutants are good guys. And Pyro is on in the book Marauders, which is the X-Men pirates who sail around the world trying to find mutants. That makes sense. And he's so all about the team that he gets the, uh, the tattoo, the team's logo tattooed on his face. And He's the, such a nerd, man. The, the logo is a giant black skull. And so he just gets his entire face tattooed as black skull. Thinking that everyone's going to think it's awesome, and everyone is a little <laughs> weirded out by it because it's a it, it's quite a commitment, and it's borderline blackface. Yeah, he tattooed blackface. I okay. I think that he should be way higher. Unfortunately, the list is looking good, so I'm going to put him at the top of the C list. I'm going to put him above Senator Kelly. You think he causes more issues than all those little white guys for them? I did. I I mean, I just think he's a better character. He's more memorable. Okay. Uh. He's a pyromaniac, and he lights fire, and his name is Pyro. I don't know what else I need to say. <laughs> I um I enjoy him for the whimsy and how terrible he is. Uh, so I, I'll put him at the top of the C list because I'm not going to break up the holy trinity of the worst of the whites. So, uh, and he's the worst of the whites who did borderline blackface. So, so there yeah, we go. He could start it off. <laughs> All right, and that creates a D list featuring only onslaught. God. <gasps> Oh man, that's so devastating. That hurts. All right, you guys. So we've we've ranked all these people. We did have some more games planned, but uh, we are having so much fun uh, just living in season one. So uh, let's continue this next week. We're gonna continue just celebrating season one here with more games. That is all the time we have for this episode, though. So, Mike, can you tell me about some websites? YourPopFilter.com is where you can go to get everything we make. Throw a little slash Amazon at the end of that, making yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon bookmark it. That's how you shop through Amazon. While you're being, you know, a normally ignorant capitalist, you're also helping us out, which is nice. Uh, and then go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter and help us out a little more directly and get a whole bunch of extra content. Also, if I wanted some website help, is there another website I should go to? I love websites. Oh, yeah. You love websites. You want to make a website, go to cybersprout.net. They have all the custom templates, all the tricks, all the tools. They're basically like Nintendo Gamer from the 90s magazine, but for websites. <laughs> they will hook you up. Cybersprout, they are your partner for the digital world. Nintendo Power. Yeah. The magazine was called Nintendo Power. What did oh. I say? Nintendo Gamer. Fucking. Uh, fucking. Ugh. Dang. Fucking nerd check right here. Ryan, can you nerd check us with some other shows, please? Yes, please, if you like this show or didn't like this show, didn't like certain aspects of the show, we have other shows for you. If you didn't like the Cassie part, please search and subscribe and rate Movie of the Year, where me and Mike duke it out with fists and dookies to see what is the single greatest movie of any given year. Or if you did not like the Mike and Ryan part, please search for, subscribe, and rate Unnatural 20s, where Cassie and her two third and fourth best friends, let's say, uh, acquaintances at best roll the dice through life to figure out what it's like to be living life in your 20s unnatural 20s and movie of the year only on every single pod catcher that has ever existed <laughs> easy to find we're also easy to find on social media mike can you tell us where the people can find that at your pop filter on twitter on instagram you know how those work live it love it laugh it that's so right. Get it tatted on your body. We also got an email. It's contact at your pop filter. Um, I'm starting a campaign right now. If you want to write it and say Onslaught isn't that bad, go ahead and do that. Please contact at your pop filter. Thank you very much. That's Next a fucking week- hashtag ready to go. Like that's going to get so popular. <laughs> 
Uh, next week, we do got a big episode. We're going to do a deep dive on the new sci-fi show, Resident Alien, which means I finally get to watch it. And the start of the second season, we are not going to X-Men. We are celebrating X-Men even more because we love it here. It's going to be a big episode. Be sure to tune in for that. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. Bye.